We're continuing our study on this great salvation. You know, for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at what this word salvation means. Last week, we kind of uh, began to talk about this thing called eternal life. And uh, as I said before, you know, we, we're all going to live for eternity. And uh, our spirits are eternal because they're made just like God's, and God's is eternal. And so we are going to live forever but it's up to us as to where we live. And uh, God would never force us to go to heaven and he would never force us to go to hell. He leaves it up to us and he makes it our choice. People say, well, how does a loving God ever send somebody to hell? I was already on my way to hell and uh, Jesus came into my life and he saved me, diverted me from that walk, put me on his way, put me in his path, gave me this incredible thing called salvation and eternal life. And as we've been talking about, there's so much in those words. When you got saved, I mean, you got the whole deal. And uh, what happens is the religion tries to take away some of those benefits of what God has blessed us with. And uh, happiness and prosperity and soundness and wholeness. I mean, Jesus came into our lives. Our spirits became recreated. You know, the Bible says that in Corinthians that I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Salvation is not just trying to change the way that a sinner thinks. It is a total reconstruction of their spirit from the inside out. It is bringing to life something that was dead. Well, Pastor Jack, when did it die? You know, there's a story in the Bible about a man and a woman and a fruit and a serpent. And when Adam and Eve partook of whatever that fruit was, uh, sin entered into the world. And unfortunately, we all became the byproduct of that sin. We were all born with that sin nature now. And that sin nature we'll get into is obviously separation from God. Nobody is born, born again. Uh, no matter how much you look at a brand new baby, a newborn baby, they're beautiful, they're cute, they're amazing. Oh my gosh, we love them so much. But they're the most selfish things on the face of the earth because all they know are their needs. They cry when they need food. They cry when they need to burp. They cry when they need to be changed. They cry when they don't get what they want. They're constantly just needing their flesh to be filled and to be gratified. And so we're all born into the world that way. There is a selfishness that's in man that because of what Adam and Eve did, um, our emphasis came off of trying to serve and honor God into just trying to live a life unto ourselves. And so uh, what we started talking about last week was this thing called eternal life. And uh, let's go back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, and beginning in verse 11, it says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And so let's just take a, just break this down real quick. Number one, who grants eternal life? Well, that comes from God. And so uh, only God can grant us eternal life. How do I find this eternal life that God's given to me? Well, it says very clearly in 1 John, it's through his son, Jesus. Now, who has eternal life? And it's those who actually receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
And then who does not have eternal life? It's he who, who does not receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let me read this to you. Salvation, eternal life, and Christianity revolve around one central person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And uh, I would dare say that there is so much speculation, you know, was Jesus real? You know, did he really exist? You know, there are so many historical things that the Bible proves, and what it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt is that Jesus did walk and live the earth, that he's not just a biblical figure, but he's a historical figure. And you can go back into ancient times. There are manuscripts other than the Bible that point to Jesus and what he did and all those types of things. You know, and But the most important thing that we have to remember, and this is what separates Jesus from everybody else. Anybody else uh, um, that is over a religion, um, any other uh, false god, any other deity, is that Jesus is God. And um, other religions, you squeal like a stuck pig when you hear somebody say that. How in the world could you ever say that Jesus was God? Well, um, what did he say about it himself? And so I've written down some scriptures I want us to look at today. Let's look at the book of John. The book of John. And beginning in verse 4, and this is Jesus uh, with the woman at the well. And uh, the disciples had all uh, gone into Samaria to get some food, and Jesus was alone, and he was sitting um, at, the, uh, at the well. And all of a sudden, he begins to have this dissertation with this woman. So let's look at John chapter 4 beginning, and I'm just going to read verses 25 and 26, but leading up to this, Jesus is having this conversation with this woman. You know, she's talking about, you know, one day Messiah is going to come and, and all those types of things and how where they worship God and, you know, all this mumbo jumbo. And Jesus flatly just looks at her and says, I am the Messiah. Uh, he asked her for a drink of water. And uh, she, she says, well, you know, the well is deep. And Jesus said, you know, he who drinks of my water will have eternal life. When she was like, give me a drink of that water, who wouldn't want it? But the actual phrase that we're looking for is in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 25 and 26. It says, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Now listen to this. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus right there revealed himself to the woman at the well as being the Messiah. You know, all of Israel, all of the, the Jewish world uh, was waiting for Messiah. They were waiting for this deliverer. They had been prophesied, you know, from the very first book, even in Genesis, there are prophecies about this coming Messiah. Now, what we believe is that Jesus is the Messiah. And as he plainly states it and says it right there, he tells that to this young lady, that the one that they've been looking for, that's he. So Jesus himself calls himself the Messiah. Let's jump ahead and look at John chapter 10, verse 30. John chapter 10, verse 30. And um, I tell you what, let's look at um, verses... It's also good. Let's look at beginning in verse 25 um, of John 10. 
It says, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So right there, you're seeing Jesus is making the claim that him and the Father are one. A lot of people will stumble sometimes with the Trinity. They'll say, well, how can he be the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? You know, as we believe, because that word Trinity is really not in the Bible, but the principle of it is, is that Jesus is, is that the God that we serve is actually three different gods. That's not true. That's like saying one plus one is one. But if you take one and you divide it by one and you divide it by one, what do you get? One. If you take one and you divide it by one and you divide it by one, what do you get? One. We're not saying that God is three different parts. We're saying that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are three distinct, yet they are one. They are different essences of the same being. They are different manifestations uh, of that being. Jesus was the manifestation of God in the flesh. He had to come as a man because Adam sinned as a man. Jesus had to come as a man. Adam didn't sin as a God. He sinned as a man. Therefore, Jesus had to come as a man. He had to walk the earth for 33 years. He had to complete that, that experience, that, that living experience or human experience that it talks about in Hebrews. He had to experience all the stuff that we have to experience on a regular basis to become our faithful high priest. He went to the cross for us and he shed his blood so that we could have the remission of sins and be saved. But I want you to notice that right there, Jesus is saying, number one, he said to the woman at the well, I am the Messiah. Number two, he said when he was questioned, they wanted to stone him and trust me. The minute Jesus said that he was, him and God were one, or, uh, or that today these prophecies have been fulfilled in your hearing, every Jew around there started to pick up a stone and kill him because they thought it was blasphemous. But what Jesus was speaking, he was speaking the truth. He was saying that him and the Father are one. Let's look at John 14. And this is why it's important for you to have your Bible. You need to know these verses for yourself when people ask you these questions, and they do ask. John 14, verses, uh, let's begin in verse 7. If you would have known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me and does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the words. I want you to notice that right there, see, we all know the story of Thomas that, uh, or, or Philip that, um, you know, there was some discussions, you know, they said, well, show us the Father, show us. Jesus kept saying that, and Jesus was like, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. So right there, unabashedly, 
um, unafraidably, if that's even a word, Jesus reveals himself right there as being God. He says, me, the Father, and I are one. It's him working through me. You know, when God is working through us, you know, we're in him and he's in Christ. You know, what did Paul say? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but what? Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, just because I don't see God or the Holy Spirit dwelling in me doesn't mean that he's not there. I don't see all of the sound waves in this room that are taking place. I don't see the air in this room. I don't see all of the different things in the internet and the, the web and all of the data and everything that's flowing, is, but we know that it's there, why? Because when it hits a receiver and hits play, it proves that it's there because it's been received out of nothingness and turned into something that I, manifests that I can see. And so what Jesus was saying was, is look, I am, my Father and I are one. And if you don't believe that, at least look at the works that I'm doing. Look at the miracles that are taking place. Look at the dead being raised. Look at the, the, the blind eyes opening and the deaf ears opening. If you can't believe, I mean, just look, just take me at face value. Look at what I'm doing. I'm doing those things that God does. If you can't handle the fact that God and I are one, at least look at the works, look at what we're accomplishing with him inside of me. And so that's exactly, that's what Jesus said about himself. This is important. Jesus called himself the Messiah, the chosen one. God said uh, to, um, in John chapter 10, that I and the Father are one. And he tells us again in John chapter 14, that he who has seen me has seen the Father. So those are just three, and there's many, many other examples of who Jesus said that he was. Um, what did others say about Jesus? And man, you get it right into the book of John, John chapter 1. You know, Jesus in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, Jesus was the Word made flesh. And if you look at verse 14 of 1 John, he also says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came from the Father. He is the Word. He's the living Word. He's the rhema Word. He's the revelation Word. Jesus came into the earth. He took on the, the guise of, sin, of flesh for you and I. He walked this earth. He lived a sinless life. He was tempted in every way. Uh, he went to the cross and shed his blood for you and I. So I'm just trying to show you that there's irrefutable evidence of who Jesus is that if you're trying to operate in eternal life or salvation or Christianity, but you're doing it apart from Jesus, then it's not real. Jesus is the only way, and all you have to do is receive and ask him into your heart today. God bless you.